Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. We're continuing today, our second week in this series called Milestones. Now, last week, we were talking about being born. I mean, what it was like. I mean, I remember, you know, talking about the story of my first daughter being born and then she's, she's had a little baby and now I'm a granddad and, and all of that. But today we're going to shift gears to the second milestone and four here in our life. We all have these milestones in our life. I mean, we're born and today we're focusing on graduation. I mean, it's, it's coming up. It's getting there pretty soon. But I recall the day I graduated from high school, Sitting out on a football field, my class had maybe 300 or so in it. I mean, it was a small class. That was back when every school did their own. You didn't go down to the arena and you didn't book it and you had a million kids. You know, it was 300 people, right? But I do remember when I graduated from high school, I was absolutely teetotally certain I knew everything there was to know about everything. I mean, weren't you that way? I mean, when you're 17, 18 years old, you know everything. I'm now 54 and officially stupid. But I will tell you this, the older I get, the better I was. I mean, can, I want you to give this, 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 this a picture. When I graduated from high school, I wasn't fat. When I graduated from high school, I made statements like this, I will never listen to talk radio. When I graduated from high school, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to always know the current songs. I'm never going to be like my mom and dad and listen to their music. And so I'm, I'm riding down the road listening to classic vinyl on Sirius. You know, it's like, okay, that's what I know. I know every word of every song. I grew up in a house where you couldn't play cards, but you could listen to Leonard Skinner. I never figured that one out. But but what was interesting is, I mean, the older I get, the less it seemed like I knew. When when my daughter graduated, my my second daughter, I went to her graduation. She wore a cap and gown that looked a little bit like this. And then, a few years later, she got off my payroll. No more cell phone, no more cars, no more gas money. I mean, paying your own insurance. I mean, students... There was a time in her life when she was like a freshman in college. And she said, but daddy, I'm independent now. I gave her a fresh understanding of what independence looked like. It blessed her heart. Shortly thereafter, she left Ole Miss and came back in state because now the nickel was hers because independence Independence comes with a price. And I recall sitting with her across the table eating at Waffle House, because we're big spenders like that, and saying to her, you know, Amelia, at some point you've got to own your life. Everybody in the world's got a plan for your life. And if you're willing to let everybody else have a plan for your life and you're willing for everybody else to run the plan for your life, then you just keep on doing what you're doing and believing you're independent. But the fact of the matter is, you are dependent, sweetheart. You are dependent on the God who created you. And at some point, you better own that. Because if you don't own it, somebody's going to own you. If you don't learn how to manage your life, I promise you, somebody's going to manage it for you. And that point of graduation became a point in which we talked about 
owning her responsibility and maturing and growing up. And it seems like we all seem to have that. Over in the the book of Hebrews, if you brought your Bible, you can find in the 12th chapter where Paul gives us this great word. I know some of you didn't bring your Bibles. You've memorized the book of Hebrews. Well done. Good job. And so just kind of pull that out of your, of your framework. Some of you have got an iPad or an iPhone. Go ahead and pull that out. If you have an Android, go ahead and pull that out. Find, your, find that little app. Pull it out. Find the book of Hebrews. And we find in Hebrews chapter 1 these words. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, You have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. Paul says this life is like a race. And you got to own your race. Nobody can run it for you. I know this is is absolutely impossible. It's hard for me to believe. At one time, I ran track in high school. All right, think about that. I mean, I actually ran. I would rather you shoot me than run today. But if you're going to shoot me, don't miss. One shot. Be done with it. Right? I, running. I mean, I never watch somebody. I, I see folks who post stuff on Facebook, some of y'all. I just got done with this three and a half mile run. I just feel so exhilarated. No, you're not. When I watch you run, you look like death. I watch those folks run near my house, and every, every one of their faces looks like this. And I thought, yeah, that looks like joy. Let's, let's do that. Paul says life is like a race. You got to own your race. And and you look at that and you think everybody, though, in the race wants to win. Political race, you want to win, right? I mean, no matter what it is, I've watched some of you try to win to get first in the line at Starbucks when you see that lady headed toward the door. I have seen some of y'all make a dash, hurry, or at church, after church Sunday when you're going to your favorite restaurant around here, and that family of seven that just got out of the minivan, and they're headed toward the door. And what do you tell your kid? Run! <laughs> Don't let them. We, all of, I mean, we treat all of life like a competition. I mean, cooperation seems to have gone, man. It's just, let's win. Well, if you think about it, whether you're playing a game of horse or you're running in the Olympics, we were built in such a way that God desires us to win spiritually. And in these milestones of our life, I believe what God allows us to do is stop, take inventory, and be able to see where do I go from here. Now, it's interesting. Just like a GPS, you don't know how to get where you're going until you figure out where you're at. Right? And so today we're going to take a little inventory because if we're going to train to be spiritual, spiritual champions, we've got to commit and own that responsibility. I, I know folks who say this to me all the time. You know, you know, Chuck, you know what the church needs to do? The church needs to preach on picket, gambling, drinking, uh, homosexuality. Uh, just pick. I mean, the church ought to do it. You know, you know what I say to all of those? If the church will just preach Jesus, all those things will get right. If if you get Jesus right in your heart, they're all heart issues. You get Jesus right, all the rest of that stuff gets right. 
You say, yeah, but Chuck, the church has a social responsibility. No, the church has a spiritual responsibility to help us get Jesus right and own that in our life. And then then I, I love this one. Well, you know what, Chuck? Church, the church ought to do more to disciple my kid. Okay, now, now let me lovingly say this to you as a parent. In the Hebrew, what that word means is bull hockey. The, the, the church's job is not to grow your kid up. The church's job is to give your kid and give you tools so that you take that responsibility and own it. And by the way, that's true for each of our own lives and discipleship as well. What we like to do is say, hey, wait a minute, I went to a class, I'm good. You know what I've determined? Going to a class might give you a few tools, but you're not going to grow up in a class. You're going to grow up when it's you and God. But basically, by and large, less than 2.5% of us spent more than two minutes this week in this book other than preparing to teach something. And you know what we say? Well, you know, I, I, I don't know what's going wrong in my life. My, I'm not winning the race. I guess the question we'd ask ourselves is this. Are we any further along the goal today than we were yesterday? You see, the problem is we think that Christianity is about longevity. I've been a Christian since 1952. Well, just bless the Lord. Have you grown at all? Have you, have you moved from the spot where you started? I know, kid, I, know, I know people, and I guarantee you know people, who when they graduated with that cap and gown, they never left that moment. They're still living life as if they were in high school. They're still trying to figure out, what am I going to do? Because there's never been a time where they kind of owned their race. You know, I, I look at this and I think it's not longevity. It's not how long I've been on the track. It's how far I've gone. You see, with the Lord Jesus, he wants us to keep hitting these milestones, keep maturing, keep growing. He wants us to keep succeeding. He wants us to keep moving forward. And I look at that and I think to myself, wait a minute. What if, what if I get halfway to where I'm supposed to get? Don't I get a trophy? We live in a society today where if a kid shows up, puts on a uniform, they get a trophy. Good job you put on a uniform. That a boy. I, I don't get that. Now, I get it. Some of you are like psycho babble nutsos. You get all that stuff, right? It's like they need to feel self-worth. Awesome. We, we live in a society today where, frankly, what we try to do is make sure we all feel good rather than we all own our part of this world. So what do we do? We watch Fox News and we gripe about President Obama. We, we watch Fox News and we see another poll about Congress. We, I mean, did you see the poll that came out this week that compared Congress to lice? People chose lice. I mean, come on. We, we're living in a society today who absolutely positively knows how to blame somebody else for their mess. And I don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I'm waffling on that choice myself right now. But the fact of the matter is... The fact of the matter is, we, we got to own our race. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses, who are those? Now, remember, that text starts off with the word therefore. And you know this. Every time you read in the New Testament, therefore, what do you do? You stop and ask, what's that? Therefore, therefore. That therefore is there for this reason. That in chapter 11, you read about all these, these heroes in the faith. You read about all these heroes in the faith and, and what they did. And it says, wait a minute, you're surrounded by them. You can do this. If they can do it, you can do it. Now, I know what you're saying. Whoa, whoa, Chuck. No, dude, wait a minute. 
I want, I want to get this clear. The, li- the, the, the heroes listed in chapter 11, they were awesome people. I'm, I'm just like Bob from Buford. I'm, I'm like Sam from Sugar Hill. You don't understand. I'm not Samson, dude. I, you don't understand. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not Abraham. I, I'm not Rahab. I, I'm not those heroes. All right, well, let me help you with that. These people weren't perfect either. Abraham was a liar. Samson was struck with passion. Rahab was a prostitute. Moses had an anger problem. Gideon was struck with fear. David was an adulterer and a murderer. And not only were these people not perfect, they weren't close. And Hebrews puts them in the hall of faith. Now, let me just ask you something. This week, Anybody here, take a quick poll. Anybody this week, you made no mistake whatsoever. You, you lived a perfect life this week. Anybody? Okay, look, half of your week was perfect. Okay, try one more. 20% of your week, you were on point this week. So basically, let me look at that list again. So basically, this room is filled with liars, lusters, Anger, angry people, fearful people, messed up people. And is, is that basically what we got here? Yeah, Mikey down there says, that's me. Yeah, well, yeah actually we knew that, Mikey. But you know, the fact of the matter is, we're in a room full of messed up people, aren't we? I mean, just if, if, you, if you were to follow me around with a recorder all week long, you probably would fire me today. Because I'm as messed up as you are. But now watch this. Paul says, but you, you can run and you can win this race. But you got to take a few things off that keep you. You got to get the weight off. You say, well, what's the weight? Number one, I believe part of the weight is poor choices. Some of us just live in the world of poor choices. And, and, and I, I believe poor choices sound like this. Sometimes that weight is just outright chosen sin. You say, you know what? I'm doing it. I know it's wrong. I'm doing it. I'm jumping in. At some point, you're running the race. You said, whoa, wait a minute. No, no, I'm going I'm to stop. I don't care about moving forward. I'm just going to make this choice. You know why? It makes me feel good. I heard this years ago, and it made so much sense. You know why, you know why we choose to sin? You ready? We choose to sin for two reasons. One, it's in our nature, and two, it's fun for a season. And then that verse comes back, says, be sure your sins will find you out. I wonder if the owner of the Clippers ever thought his sin would find him out. Poor choices. You know, outright sin entangles the feet and we trip. I mean, we, we trip over bitterness. We trip over lying. We trip over envy. We trip over idolatry. We, we trip over consequential bad choices. We trip over a critical spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. Listen, we church folk, what we love to do is trip over finding somebody else's fault. Because that is so much fun. I mean, it is really, it's, it is so much fun. Like when, when I can find that Josh Clark does something stupid, you know what I love to do? Look what Josh did. Look at him. What a messed up dude Josh is. Because when I can do that, I don't have to hold a mirror in front of my face and say, look how messed up Chuck is. It's a lot more fun to look somebody else. You see, that, my friend, is a poor choice. Sometimes it's not poor choices. Sometimes it's stupid habits. I've got some, don't you? I mean, don't you have some really stupid habits 
I mean, I've got some winners. I mean, it's unbelievable some of my habits that are just... I believe you could put those in kind of the category of besetting sin. Things that we've tried to get rid of, but they keep coming back. Memories of past mistakes haunt you. I mean, bouts with addictions, wrongful habits. I mean, we can't break all those things. And, and among the many stupid habits we have is, is we get to that point of mediocrity where we say, ah, yeah, whatever. It's, just, it's everybody else is doing it. You know what the definition of mediocrity is? It's going halfway up the mountain and stopping. That's the definition of mediocrity. You, you train, you, you prepare, you equip, you're making this stride. You get halfway up the mountain, and they've got this place on the mountain where you can stop and you can rest, and the fire is warm, and the hot cocoa is there, and you can have a little snack, and you've come out of the blistering wind and the cold, and you sit down and you think, oh, man, this feels good. And the next thing you know, you're asleep, and you sat there, and the rest of your party went to the top of the mountain. And when they came back down, there you were, and you thought to yourself, I missed it. And sometimes I think what happens is our stupid habits take us to mediocrity and we stay right there. You know, sometimes I think it's ADOP. Go ahead and write that down in your notes. A-D-O-P. And I know some of you aren't taking notes. You've got it all right here. And you're going to forget at least 87% between now and you walk out the door. Okay, but don't miss this one. Sometimes the weight we've got to throw off at ADOP. ADOP is attention deficit. Oh, pretty! It's distractions. Squirrel. I mean, we, we get it, right? I mean, we've got a million distractions. For some of us, our distractions are Facebook, Instagram, the appendage that we now have to our body, call it an iPhone. Some of our distractions are our job or our money. Some of our distractions are our health. Some of our distractions are our relationships. We have ADOP. Hebrews speaks of laying aside every weight that so easily ensnares us. Music, and the list goes on. So in the race set before you, what would God say is presently keeping you from being the champion he wants you to be? I mean, we all tend to develop addictions of some sort. As a matter of fact, I have learned this, that every person in this room is an addict. I mean, if you're like me and you like to watch Jimmy Fallon, you get to see all the jokes about Rob Ford, Right? I mean, that's, that's always fun to laugh at that cat. I mean, really, just what a messed up dude, right? But you know what? You look in a mirror and you realize you're a sin addict. Every day we make poor choices. Every day we have distractions. Every day we have stupid habits. I mean, how jealously do we guard these certain little habits? But you know, I'm going to give God all of this, but I'm hanging on to that one. I'm hanging on to my coffee, I'm hanging on to that drink, I'm hanging on to that, that friendship, I'm hanging on to those buddies, and I'm not claiming ownership, I'm just going to stay right there at graduation, I'm good. Abraham a liar, Samson passions, Rahab a prostitute, Moses anger, Gideon fear. Is your weight your past? Is it your past that keeps haunting you? Does Satan keep slipping back in, whispering in your ear, get off the track, you're not worthy to run this race? At some point, you ever thought that? I'm just not worthy to run this way. So, okay, let me just have everybody's attention right here. Go ahead and just stop thinking, passing notes about where you're going to eat lunch. All right, stop, stop texting. Just look right here. Here's the good news. You ready? For each of us here, that statement is true. We're not worthy to run the race. But Jesus said, you can do all things through me. I'll strengthen you. Run and run to win.
when I have the opportunity to speak to high school ball teams before they play or college teams before they play, one of my favorite things to say to them is, I promise you, if Jesus stepped between the lines, he would play to win. You know what he did? He put you, he put you in the race to run. He put you in the race to win. I saw this video this week. It's a Big Ten indoor track championship. Uh, and there's a girl from the University of Minnesota running the 600 meters inside. 600 meters inside is, is four laps in an inside track there, the Big Ten championship. And, and she was projected to win. She'd won the year before. And she took off at the gun. Lap one, she was in fourth place. Lap two, she was in second place. Lap three at the bell lap when they got ready to ring the bell lap, she tripped on her own two feet and splatted on the track. And the crowd, you could hear her go, oh. The announcer is saying, oh, what's so, what's horrible. She was projected to win. She'll never win. And then they kept on the rest of the winners or the rest of the racers. They kept going around the track. And out of the corner of the video, you could see that girl who fell. She started catching them. She picked it up to another gear and she kept running. She passed one, she passed two, she passed three, she passed four. By the time she got to the last turn, she passed, she was in second place. The crowd's going crazy. She gets to the final end and she barely wins the race. I mean, she is gassed. The announcer says, how'd you do it? That was the most amazing thing we'd ever seen. And she said, my daddy told me when I fell when I was a little girl, anybody can fall, sweetie. The righteous stand up and go again. And you know what she said? I just did what my daddy said. Listen to me. Your heavenly daddy says, get in the race and run to win. Cast this junk off and run to win. Don't stay in a cap and gown. Move on. Own it. Own your race. You say, well, Chuck, that's really great. Church preachers are good at saying that kind of junk. But tell me how to. Let me know what to do. All right, you ready? If you got pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, this is worth writing down. All right? Number one, I know this seems very simplistic. Identify the weight. By the way, you know how you identify the weight? Now, look right here. This is one of the greatest things that you'll ever learn at church. You ready? One of the fastest ways to identify the problem is this. Stop talking. Find a point of quietude. Find a point of solitude. And do a little inventory and let God say, God, search my heart and know me and reveal every wicked way in my heart. You say, well, Chuck, that's easy for you. You got REV in front of your name. You're supposed to do that. You don't understand in my world that doesn't happen. Okay, let me, let me get this right. There's time for sports center, but not time for solitude with God. There's time for scandal but there's not time for God. There's time for house of cards, but there's not time for God. Now there's time to fish, there's time to golf, but there's not time for God. Listen, if you want to win the race, you got to identify the weight. You got to identify the weight. And I, by the way, I, I don't think that's hard. You say, well, Chuck, I have never heard from God. Most of us have never heard from God because we've never stopped to listen. We spend most of our time telling God what we want instead of listening to what he wants. Identify the weight. Number two, clean it up. The Bible says repent. Now, now please, please hear me, all right? Make sure you get this because this is a big deal. If you're going to run the race to win, 
you can't clean yourself up. You can't throw enough weight off. Let's say I go and I want to start biking. <laughs> like, not like boom, boom, but I mean like pedal biking. And let's say I want to get on a bike. And I go to the bike store and I say, you know what? I, I, I want the lightest bike known to man because I don't want to carry that extra weight as I'm trying to climb the hills in my bike. You know what the bike store guy's going to say? Dude, with all due respect, the bike's not your problem. That is. Listen, Jesus says, and it's so unbelievably simple, come to me and bring all your junk, bring all your mess. You don't have to try to clean yourself up before you come. Just come to Jesus. He says, I'll take all that. You say, you know, Chuck, I can't break this addiction. Chuck, I can't, I can't identify all that stuff in my life. You know, Chuck, I, I can't turn it. Repent is, is, is cleaning it up. But repenting is like this. I'm making a U-turn with my life. Now watch this. You can't do it in your own power. You see, when you trust Jesus and you let him come into your life, he will give you that strength to do that. Poor, poor choices, stupid habits, ADOP. So what do we do? Identify the way, clean it up, repent. Three, trust God to work in you. Most of us are pretty sure that, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust you for heaven, but I'm not going to trust you with my mess right now. Trust God to work in you. Allow him to work inside your heart. Listen, once sin has been confessed and forsaken, God forgives and God gives us his spirit to enable us to run in victory. But you got to let him control it. you got to let him drive you. He's the Gatorade fuel in your life. It's not you. It's not me. Finally, engage and experience your faith. Engage and experience your faith. That's why groups are such a big deal around here. You want to grow up in Christ? Get in a group. You, 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 you want to identify with other believers and be held accountable and you want to run the race with other people? You don't want to be alone. You want to make sure there's people that can encourage you along the way? Get in a group. Get in a group that'll love you for just the way you are. And we, we got 51 groups. Pick one. You say, well, you know what? I just need a group that's messed up. It'll take me like I am. The Join Morgan's group. That's the most messed up group I've ever seen. But get involved. You say, well, I, I want to, I want to, I I'm, I'm, I'm a young couple. I, great, join Hector and Christie's group. Great, knock yourself out. Well, I'm, I'm a single lady that comes to church. My husband doesn't come to me or I don't have a husband. And great, join my wife's group. But pick one, they're everywhere. But get involved and, and experience that. I mean, truly, I see stories all the time where people post on Facebook, thank you for what this church does. In the race set before you, you, let me finish with a story. Do you remember watching Forrest Gump? Forrest gets off the school bus. He's got braces on his legs. He's walking with Jenna. And then the bullies come out. They start chasing Forrest. What does Jenny say? Run, Forrest, run. And he starts running. And do you remember what happens? The braces fall off and he kept running. And he kept running. Listen to me, some of us, the braces are on because we stopped running. And Jesus says, you're my boy, you're my girl, run to win. Lose the weight. Trust me, I've got you. And you know the beauty is, he built 
you to win because he loves you. Run the race.